Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. Okay, I'm good. I'm ready to roll. Uh, what do you want me to do? Lean forward like this? I just want you to be as comfortable as possible. How about like this? Okay, and then I just need you to... Talk, talk, talk. Yeah, just to make sure that we're okay. Did you have to let it linger? It's the Hoop Collective. I'm Kevin Arvitz in the green room at ESPN in Los Angeles downtown. We're uh, so cool. We are cool. We're just like <laughs> hanging out in the green room with, with, with Jackie McMullen, which is a, a, a splendid idea for a podcast, Andrew Bond, <laughs> our producer. Uh, how you doing? I'm good, Kevin. I'm sorry I missed your fabulous cookout over the weekend. My cookout? Oh, we, yeah, we did well, a Well, it wasn't stick. really, I'm not doing it well, uh, justice, a cookout, because apparently the food was spectacular and the guest list was eclectic and wonderful. And I didn't have the good sense to fly until Monday, so I'm still sad about it. Um, it was kind sad. of a bro fest. I mean, you you would have been, you know. Yeah, but I mean, that's my life, Kevin. That is your <laughs> my life. life right? is a bro like, fest. Your, your life is a bro fest, isn't yeah, it? It's just, yeah. You know, once, um, do you remember Matt Gukas? So he was the coach of the Orlando Magic. And, one and a day, damn fine commentator as well. It, it, just a great guy, too. We're sitting somewhere, and a group of us, before a game or whatever, and people were swearing like sailors, and one of them turned to me and said, Sorry, Jackie. And Matt said, Yeah, don't say sorry to her. She's more one of the guys than you are. <laughs> And I thought, I love you, Matt Gugas. So how, like, that informs the, like, your entire life. Like, mm-hmm. like, it does. You know, and it's bad because I swear a lot, and I blame it on that, and my husband's like, yeah, no. You know, you just shouldn't swear a lot. I said, everybody starts a center with mf right? Well, it, like, one they of my do. favorite things is, 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 like, MF is even a verb in basketball. Like, it's, that, yeah. like, when I started telling friends, uh, even, like, who are in, in right. regular media, that, like, this is a verb. It is to, you know, Every, yeah. to just exact. Mess people up, yeah. You know, Blame or or or, or, or bad over. will on someone, and it's yep. just like, like wait, you can actually make that a verb. I'm like, oh, yes, you yeah. can. You, you can. It's amazing what you can do with swear words, and so that's the big downside of being part of the bro fest. Also, I've developed this habit of just saying what I think because that's what you guys do. Yeah, why well, it just I mean, comes out? It's funny because like as the gay guy in the group, I'm sort of part of the bro fest, but it is a bit of anthropology for me too. Oh, what do you mean? You're like on the out. There's like an outsert. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying that there, there, there are oh. moments when you know. You, I am aware of of of, of kind of the of your gayness. And no one's making me. I just yeah, yeah. It's sort of like oh, that's it is. interesting. There's a way straight dudes behave, and okay, like, and right. I'm kind of generally part of that 84 oh, percent of the time. And then it's sort of like, yeah, that's where I get off the bus. Oh, well, I mean, remember, I'm part of this like 13 percent of the times so you want to talk about all that all right, stuff. Who are the most profane NBA uh, types in your lifetime to cover? Like the, like the true Kevin the, Garnett. So the way number one stylizing profanity, just Kevin, vulgarity can't, can't, as an art. Can't can't finish a sentence without a swear in it. Yeah. Kevin Garnett, and it's colorful sure. too. Oh, and used appropriately. Like he uses verbs, swear words, and verbs like that. I can't even believe. Like to the point where I, sometimes I blush. Um, Number one overall. All right, so who, who else is on in, in, in um, the kind of old school coaches division? I'm trying to think. Old school coaches. That's a good question. Um, you know the coaches, and maybe that was a because I was a woman. They have like like for instance, you know Doc likes to swear, but yes, he, he does, but he hardly ever does in front of me. Oh, that's so, interesting. Yeah, and, so there's um, sort of this, this this mental check. And George Carl told me once, oh, I have to watch my language because you're here. I said, no, you don't. And, you know, he was joking a bit. but So maybe that does happen you, somewhat. You Players care. do not care. You take comments like that with grace and kind of... It what do I care? Yeah. What do you... 
George Carl was, I always loved George Carl because when I first started, I think he was doing me a favor. He was challenging me, but doing me a favor at the same time. He would do a pregame scrum, yeah. and he would be talking about things that happened. And he'd say, but the problem is, our third leading scorer needs to, and he'd say, and who is that, Jackie? And I would answer him. Right. And so he was doing that to challenge so it was like me. like a little punch and judy kind of Yeah, but also to kind of prop me up, I think, a little bit, which I always appreciated. Oh, that's fun. Uh, when I was young, I needed that. Now I don't really care. You catching any games while you're here? I missed the games. I missed the rocket. I missed, missed the, the big ro- game. Wait, I was you flying here? in. No, oh, I was flying, flying in. I landed just as all hell broke. Oh, that was fun on Monday night. I know. Well, now I'm excited because now I know where the secret tunnel is because Paul told me. Yeah, it is a secret tunnel. You have to, it's, that, it's that door before the... I mean, you can right. kind of... So now I know how to get there. J.J. Reddick's uh, joke that he was going to do a special emergency Love podcast that. on the schematics of Staples Center. The beauty of this thing was... Everything that happened in the game was, you know, um, funny and interesting, and the post game was absurd. But then all this Twitter stuff afterwards was almost as entertaining. What is it? Is sort of the, the the event, and then it is it is the we are truly living in postmodern NBA, right? Like you're kind of watching oh, the watching, right? Is is that's so part. true? You're watching so the true. watching, and um, have you ever gotten trapped? I have these nightmares because, like, I mean, we have event ac- event floor access. Mm-hmm. We have a press credential. Right. You can go into places that other people can't, but it's. Some of these arenas are just labyrinths of weird tunnels and bowels and sure. hallways. Easy to get confused. Um, I got trapped momentarily in Miami Arena once, um, or American Airlines Arena. Have you ever gotten trapped in, in an arena? What do you mean trapped? In, like, like, like you, you got go into a store well, stairwell where you can't get oh, out of like, no, I have no, I've dreams. It's like replace the high school. I'm not, I didn't drop this class. I had to take the final. Nightmare. I have, I have the other dream. I have the dream I'm late to the game, and I have my sneakers on. I've just played basketball, and I don't have time to shower, and I can't get into the arena. I can't find the right entrance. I wonder if it says about you that your nightmares you can't get in. My nightmares I can't. Get I know. In. I don't know. That's kind of interesting. Um, so the game was uh, the game was interesting, and, and I and not so far as it's interesting because they beat the Rockets without James Harden. I mean, I think the thing about the Rockets is we know that they are fifteen and zero with Harden, Chris Paul, and Capella on the floor. Right. Like until further notice, I'm going to assume they're a very vulnerable team when unhealthy and extremely capable. And possibly even a contender in the West win healthy. I think so. So I don't think we learn anything there. What was just funny was to see Blake Griffin. I love this Blake Griffin. Yes, I love this Blake Griffin. It's it's Blake Griffin 1.0, kind of pre-Chris Paul era, playing just this very confrontational brand of basketball. Like, it's physicality by design. Pre-Kia commercials floating on clouds. Pre- but, right? you know, he's not as athletic. He isn't as bouncy. But he's also, like, he's kind of the heel. Yeah, like he that's he's reveling being the bad guy, and it fuels him. And I think it's great. And he's he's going to be loved by his fans and loathed by the other team, loathed by the other team's fans. Um, what's interesting is, yeah, he's not the high flyer; just he just doesn't have that bounce anymore. Um, he's older, but he's also just an extremely more skilled player. I was going to say he's a more polished player now. Yeah, I mean, you can you, do more. You, you, and and you know the fact that it's so funny when way back two years ago when I was looking at the, this potential free agent summer that we just had. I thought Chris Paul was going to stay, and Blake was. That's the one that, that was, was the reports leave. I, I give. You know, someone right? joked that, "Hey, Kevin, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Chris will take a bunch of meetings and end up back in Los Angeles, and Blake will kind of quietly, um, you know, for all of his exuberance on the court and, mm-hmm. and the perform, you know, the performative nature of, of who he is on the floor, he's actually kind of an introvert. Kind of, right. you know, He just doesn't do the NBA lifestyle thing. He'll just kind of quietly sign with. Yeah, Phoenix or whoever, right? Or with. Boston. Boston right. had great interest in him, um, as you know, and and you know he the idea of wanting to play for that kind of coach, yeah, I think yes. it was really appealing to him. I always thought the Celtics had a real, uh, you know, inner track there, but um, but yeah, it ends up the other way, um, right? And and I think so when you think about everybody was talking about Chris Paul coming back to play the Clippers, but really what it turned out to be was Blake Griffin saying, "We don't need exactly. you." 
We don't need you. We're fine without you. And that was such a more fascinating narrative to me. Exactly. And I, I said that on the jump because we were like, is this the Chris Fallen? I think it's, it's a much greater significance to the Los Angeles Clippers. It is, can a... People forget that this franchise is still on a larger journey from being the most abject, poorly run thing in professional sports in the early '80s. With the most deplorable you owner know, ever. And, and yes, they had some good you know, folks along the way, but even you know, even their good front offices had to work on a shoestring without mm-hmm. any support. They, you know, Sterling was always this landmine uh, that could 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 implode any good progress. Always did, um, but they're still playing catch up in terms of management. And then you know, in the in the Doc Rivers era. Um, you know, I mean, they, you know, the dual role didn't work. It wasn't a great infrastructure, and they're still kind of building it. So right. part of the Clippers is saying, because they've been to the playoffs one time in 20 years without Chris Paul. Which is just really right. bad. And so to some extent, they have to prove as an organization. I mean, they, again, they have, Blake has more to prove, the organization has more to prove than Chris does in some respects, who wow. obviously needs to get to a finals. And a yeah, he has finals. his own baggage. He has his own crust to bear, is. but again, I'm with you. Like, Monday night was not about, oh, Chris Paul coming back. It was about the the Clippers filling the vacuum or not filling the right. vacuum. Right, and, and the emotions of that game, it, it all started on the Clipper end. And, the, and here's the other thing. If you're Chris Paul, you come back in, you're starting to hear now, okay, well, they'll be fine when James Harden comes back, but because uh, Chris Paul can't really win on, without James Harden, but James Harden can win without Chris Paul and all this stuff that Chris Paul doesn't want to hear. He wants to win that game badly, but not as badly as Doc Rivers, as Austin Rivers, who didn't even play, but had a major yeah. role in the evening. And then, of course, Blake. It well, always comes back to Blake. And, and I thought Doc handled himself so beautifully. And that he Have we even heard from him? He's just in the background. He's just letting it all play out. Because I did that... that uh, Rocket story with Harden and Chris Paul, and there was quite a bit of back and forth with yes. Doc and Chris in it. Um, uncharacteristic for both of them, I would say, publicly anyway. And Doc, you Doc know, was, Doc was wounded. People though, he was wounded. Yeah. There's no question he was wounded. The way that ended, and clearly, Chris, as as uh, one Clipper player said to me, they both thought they knew everything, and neither one of them really did. Well, <laughs> which what's I funny was about, a good way to describe it. You know, Doc. When he even talking about it Monday night, he always says, "But Chris left us. It's not Chris left. It's left us." Right. There's always a suggestion of abandonment. Um, but one of the things that it's sort of funny coming out of Monday night and talking to you know guys as they were leaving after the game mm-hmm. uh, is the point of emphasis for the Clippers is that we're having fun now. There's no delusion that somehow they're a contender. I don't think anybody on that team thinks you know, oh you know we can, we're, we're, we're a conference finalist, right? But if nothing else, it seems like there is this real point of emphasis on, hey, this is the way it's supposed to be to come to work and play basketball. Mm-hmm. Like, where's this been for the last five years? And that, in and of itself, is sort of a, a an, an implicit reference to, to Chris Paul. But I think in, in Griffin's case, in the locker room in general, it's like, wait a minute, this can be fun, right? You know, actually, and you play better when you're less arrested. Where, boy, is it just the the the, the you know, sort of the the pressure setting in this locker room is. But that's what I was going to say. So the the flip side of that is, someone can look at that and say, well, what that tells me is you couldn't handle the pressure. Yes. And so that's not something Blake Griffin wants to subscribe to. Not at all. And I will say, I agree with you. I don't think the Clippers are anybody's talking about them winning or the the, the West or even challenging really either the Rockets or uh, Golden State or those teams. But they still have to make the playoffs. Don't yes, we agree? I agree. And, you know, they're playing great right now. I mean, now. there's they're always the well. if. And then if and not, the, what is the if not? And if they don't, they... Well, you they, know, so I think this this winning streak, in my mind, maybe it's muddied the waters in terms of what the Clippers are going to do. Because the big question is DeAndre Jordan. We all know that. He's in the final year of his deal. Do you re-sign him? Does he want to re-sign? We know how close he came to being a Dallas Maverick the last time. 
Is he ready to move on? And if he is, are you going to get something with him and for him in advance of the trade deadline? I think there'll be plenty of teams interested in him. And now you've won five in a row and with, with ragtag players and so many of your key people hurt. So does it change your mind for the long term? I think that's the most interesting question right now right. around I the mean, Clippers. Because, you know, what is it? Five through nine. You've got, you've got the Thunder. You've got um, Denver. Portland. The Clippers, Portland, and I'm I'm forgetting one, aren't I? New Orleans. New Orleans, thank you. So one of those teams aren't going to make it. The Clippers have as elastic a set of outcomes as any team, I That's think, in the league true. right now. In other words, they could, maybe they try upgrading or whatever they try to do. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, I mean, you could, there are a lot of pragmatists in the league who would say the following. This would be the best course for the Los Angeles Clippers. You trade DeAndre Jordan, you get what you can. And no one knows what the market's going to be. You know, are you going to have to beat... You know, if if Marcus Saul's on the market, I mean, mm-hmm. what is the market for DeAndre Jordan? You know, I mean, who knows? Um, but you get what you can. You get future assets. Uh, you trade Lou Williams, who will never be at better basketball value than he is right now. Poor Lou I mean, Williams. Poor Lou Williams. He's the vagabond, and he's always great everywhere he goes. And all that does is make him get traded again. Better Poor playmaker than I ever realized he was. I really hope he makes the All Star team. Uh, yeah, he's going to be tough in the West. I know but, but, it is, but I just I can still hope for it. And I then, just love the way he plays, and he's the reason they're winning right now. Oh, he's I the biggest reason. Now, he's not the best player, as Chris Paul suggested. Okay, let's not get carried away. That was a nice little Yeah, that was a nice... Lake. I mean, someone needs to compile all the, the subtweets and shades. The and, passive-aggressiveness of Chris Paul is ever, ever, ever amazing. Um, he's got that down to a science. So you all right? So you get a lottery protected first for Lou Williams. You get something for mm-hmm. DeAndre, and then you you know if you were a true kind of blow it up person, you'd say, hey, go to trade night or draft night, and you know you get you trade Blake, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you just kind of completely boy. If you do that, and I can't imagine, I'm not prescribing, going, but yeah. I think there are pragmatists in the league who would say, if yeah. I were GM of that team, this is what I would do. I tell you though, if you do that after Blake pledged to you to resign with no in trade, the wake of Veto. Chris leaving, wow! You, yeah. that's how do you? Boy, Not, I wouldn't want. To, I wouldn't want to be the guy that knocked on his door to tell him that. No, and and but but that it'd is be some, like, it would be like the OKC trading Russell Westbrook after he and, and look Blake has. I, mean, I think people forget that prior to Blake, you know, Elton Brand was Elton Brand's my guy. I mean, that 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 guy's amazing, professional. But, he, but Blake was the first charismatic superstar ever to be on this team. And it in some ways forget that don't you forget people forget how how his marketing campaign how fun he was and that that's what reminded me last night it really I mean it it, this is they've sold out they sold out the house for for years now Chris Paul was a huge part of that and Chris Chris Paul's a a great player no matter what everybody wants to say in L A or the Clippers he's a hall of first ballot hall of famer point guard you could argue one of the best five all time I would argue one of the best three all time point guards and and the thing about Chris is. You know, say what you want. Hey, it's no fun to play with them, and it wasn't for the Clippers. I mean, mm-hmm. they're a team that hated themselves, hated what they failed to do. Right. Um, lot to carry. There was around, a lot, lot of self loathing, but yeah. you know, pencil in fifty some odd wins every season. Oh, by the way, with injuries, like like the level of consistency and kind of professionalism with regard to on court play that results from Chris Paul's presence is mm. unhinged. I mean, they're very few. Thunder didn't win fifty some odd games with Russell. No. I mean, Chris Paul is instant competence and on both ends. on both ends both everything ends. is choreographed uh for better or for worse and uh you know but the, the the organization has has a lot to prove and i'm just curious to see that would be the pragmatist take is just you know trade everybody and the other is hmm. is somehow you 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 know, maybe you get DeAndre at a discount because what the market for centers is sort of eh 
So maybe it's a Lamarcus situation where, yeah, he might it might have run its course here. We certainly don't want to pay him the max. He looks around and realizes, oh wait, you know, two or three more years, whatever the deal is. So right. you know, you keep it intact. You, I mean, the Gallinari deal is just not good. And nope. And we knew he's that. A fo- he's we a, knew that when it happened. We knew it happened. We knew he's a power forward. They already have the guy that we've right. been talking about. And you know it's 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 DeAndre at center, so they. It's know, just weird the when it's so not a five. It's gonna, I was talking yesterday too, like the Kings when the Kings signed George Hill. So you know I don't you're get gonna that. you know you're gonna draft De'Aaron Fox. Why are you why are you not only signing George Hill but playing in more minutes than De'Aaron Fox? Well, no, it, it, you know, and then you put like so. Here's the thing, you know, everybody's you know, and now Jaeger's got this situation where okay, if he doesn't play Hill, you see the pouting, you see the tweets. Right. They're gonna probably you know they're what do we get this guy for? Um, same with Zach Randolph. It is, right. is, is the ultimate security blanket. You put Zach on the floor for 29, 30, 31, 32 minutes, you're going to get production. And oh, by the way, you know what? You have, who, who are the rest? Who are your young prospects? Willie Cauley Sign, Scala Bissier. Yeah. You know, you already have Costa Kufas, who's like, you know, a big who can run. You know, you've got, you know, the Papiano, forget the rest of it. No, I know. It's just redundant. It's interesting. And I think, you know, Ava's again, I'm asking you not to hit the mic. I'm not hitting the mic. I'm sorry. That was that me was. kicking the mic. Um, but yeah, it, it's I, I don't what the Kings did by bringing veterans in to suck minutes. Well, just the away. wrong the wrong veterans. That's right. All. Oh, by the way, oh, why don't you run? The guys, well, yeah. because Zach Randolph is the single slowest player in the league. <laughs> yeah. And oh, by the way, George Hill, system quarterback, right? Like, like not your fast. So, what, point so what do you make of what Jaeger's going to do here? He's telling them, I'm going to. He plays everybody 28 minutes. No, but he's not now. Now he's announced that he's yeah. going to he's going to sit some of these veterans, and he's going to let them know in advance he's going to sit them. So to me, if I'm George Hill, you better be ready, friend, because I looked it up because I was curious. George Hill, 27.6 minutes. De'Aaron Fox, 26.4 minutes. Right. That's going to change. That's going to And change. by the way, that's what you're supposed to do. You're, you're going to win 25 games this season. That's right. And you're, you're, and then you're, you're trying to cultivate the Celtics future. your pick in 2019 unless oh, the Lakers God. can pull themselves out of their doldrums. The Celtics, can you believe it? They're either going to have the Lakers pick this year if it's two through five, which it very well could be. Or the Kings' unprotected first-round pick in 2019. It's unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Isn't it is it? the greatest it's heist in the history in of sport. ever. The ever. Herschel Walker Cowboy yep. Viking thing. You bet. I mean, this is. And, and the climate was perfect. I look back on it, and I'm always like, and Billy King gets killed all the time for it. As but he you should. know what? Well, yeah, except for this. That owner went after. He took the big swing. He went. He went after the same guys Riley did. He went after uh, Wade Bosch. LeBron came up to Anthony and said, "Okay, we got to get some people in here. I need people." Wait, so we're going to do that same thing except guys who are like ten years older, right? But he's like, "I want to get just get me Garnett, or get me Garnett." And if you got Garnett, it had to come with Pierce because Garnett had no trade clause. Blah 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 blah. And if you're Billy King, you're like, "I don't know if I'm going to have my job tomorrow." If this is what the boss wants, I'm pulling the trigger. Is, would you agree that the number one reason for stupid decisions in the NBA, be it players, coaches, or execs, is? I need to protect my job. Insecurity, you bet. I mean, you that's bet. what the entire show The Wire was about. And I always say, like, ultimately, it's the parable right. that governs and it's the why NBA, it's, governs every institution. And well, it's why the Spurs are great because the owner doesn't panic, the GM doesn't panic, the coach doesn't panic because they all have institutional security and institutional knowledge of one another and camaraderie. And that's why they can make decisions that are controversial, or they can sit, you know, players for a long period of time and start that whatever trend they want to start because they all have each other's back. And herein lies the Brad Stevens six-year deal, right? He knew. You bet. Um, he doesn't come without all those picks. I don't know. I've never asked him. Yeah, I mean, I, should ask I mean, him. it was a, it was a big jump for him. 
It was a huge lifestyle decision. Of and it still it still reverberates. Did you see the other day? Uh, Butler was playing down in Providence. He grabbed Gordon Hayward and he drove down there and they oh, took a picture fun. with the Butler bulldog. I mean, it's. I talked to Brad a lot. Uh, I see his wife Tracy, lovely woman, in the hallways. Talk to them. They, they, you know, for a while they had a, a place, summer place on the lake, and they were still going home to Indiana. You know, because it took a while, right? It was culture shock for him, and and he poured his heart, you know, and soul into this place, and still loves it dearly. But the good news for New England fans is that they are now looking for a lake home in New England. Oh, so they have go. a lot of lakes in New England, I hear. So many. My particular favorite is Lake Ossipee. Okay. My little cottage on Levitt Road on Lake Ossipee makes Where's me this? very happy. It's in Center Ossipee, New Hampshire. Okay. So it's on the way to North Conway, New Hampshire, if that makes any sense to I you. I did. I went to summer camp near North Conway. Oh, which one? Keezer Falls, Maine. I know right where that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So my son went to camp. To camp uh, I was the one southern kid, and I got kidded for my Ken. accent. And it was that summer. Because like I have I had a southern accent. I mean, you hear my you hear my grandpa. He sounds like Fritz Hollins. Okay, he's like this first language Yiddish, second language like Charleston Southern. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, it was like but I got like it was the summer. It was like come home from that camp, and like my parents know like people know it's like I, you know I've kind of modulated and NPRized my accent. I wanted to sound like the kids from Manhattan and Brookline. How like, funny! That's you great. know because I was like and they would kid me in a good not in the your. No, not a bullying way, and it isn't that cute. You have a southern accent oh, way, sure. and I never, I never even. It was the first summer I was aware that I had a southern accent. No, I understand this. So, I had no so idea know, I had a southern. accent. My family makes horrible fun of me. I have this thing, and there's actually a technical term for it. And I don't know what it is, but when I start talking to people, I start talking like them. Code switching. Is that what it's called? Sort of. Okay, so that's me. So when I was doing my book with Larry Bird. You started talking a friend, like a guy from Central I Indiana. Friend, I had a friend that you know I hired who knew nothing about sports, and I did that on purpose to transcribe because I didn't want you know no one else could. It was confidential, yeah, so yeah. I had to find someone. And she said halfway through, she's like, "You just start talking like this." <laughs> this is what happens Are, to me. It's so embarrassing. If I'm talking to someone with Brit- who's British, by the end I'm going, "Oh yes, I do. Well, wonderful." Uh, Jackie, I noticed before the show you were buying concert tickets. I was for my nieces to go to Justin Timberlake. Wow, that is pre-sale, a big investment. See, I get pre-sale tickets because I go to so many concerts, Kevin. I get a crack, first crack at everything now, absolutely everything. Uh, I had to miss the Killers last week. I had tickets to the Killers and had to give them up. That was oh, painful because you had to come here. Painful. Yeah, that was a difficult one. So another way to get tickets would be SeatGeek, which saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Best of all, listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code HOOP, H-O-O-P, HOOP, today. That's promo code HOOP for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Want to read again without the thing at the end? So Larry Bird, when you you're, those meetings, you have these like five hour meetings with the subject when you're you're mm-hmm. doing their book. Where did he like to do it? In an office? In a home? He um, 
he was all business. I remember he said to me when we were doing the when the game is ours book. Uh, he said, "All right, what time does your flight land?" I tell him. I said, "He said, all right, I'll pull up at exactly two ten in my Mercedes. Be outside. I'm just going to stop. You're going to get in. You'll go and you'll stay at my house." That sounds like you're like dropping off a suitcase full of cash or he's something. Just no. He's just that's how he is. He's, and you and stay, you stay at his place. I stay at his house. Where, where is that in Indiana? Um, it was in Carmel, Indiana. Okay, it's a nice, it's right outside Indiana, yeah, affluent suburb of Indiana, and. Uh, I had my own room and the whole thing, and my Wait, favorite. Like, I was funny. You're staying at the guy. You're staying at Larry Bird's house. Are you like in your bathrobe in the morning, shuffling to the no, fridge, no, like no. getting the milk? Like, oh hey, Larry, no. you want some grapes? Like, I, no. Like, what is that like? No, I'm. I'm just so. Like, you see him kind of coming in from jogging, like, like. Yeah, what, what, I just follow his lead. You know, I just follow. I will tell you a funny story. So you like kind of stay upstairs. Yeah, like, what if you just, want coffee in the morning? No, you don't. Oh, see, I, that's why I can't stand it. Like, stay no, at like I mean, houses. they offer me coffee, but I don't drink coffee. Thankfully, I do. I always bring my OT. Everywhere I go, but I will Wait, tell you're you. What, oh, your your tea. I'm, I'm our good friend Henry Abbott, our yes. former boss, used to say to me, "The only thing about you that's snobby is your tea," and it's true. <laughs> I, I send away to Europe for my tea, no lie. And it's not even a fan, it's not even an expensive tea. It's just what I like. It's Yorkshire Gold. It's what my mom grew up drinking. It's what I drink, and I send away for it on Amazon, and that's my. Where does this tea come from? It's England. It's okay. English tea, of course. I'm British. My mom's British. So, but I do. The one Larry Bird story from staying at his house was one of the days I wanted to. I needed to go into the to the pastry's office to do research. You know, I wanted to check some of the files, and they had clips. You know, old fashioned clips and whatever. And so I said, okay, well, I'll take a cab. And he said, no, no, no. Here, take my car. And he said, I'm going somewhere with Diane and his wife. So they were they had they were leaving. And he threw me the keys to this Mercedes. And now this is the Mercedes he picked me up in. And it weighed like eight tons. You know those. Big, yeah, yeah. solid, expensive Mercedes. So I get in the car and I pull out and I'm, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm going to do something to this car that's $95,000 or whatever. And I drove three blocks and I turned around and I went back. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't do it. And then you called the cab? This I is pre-Uber? Cab. Yeah, pre-Uber. And I called a really expensive And, and how did Larry react to the fact that you just, he I, just I couldn't like, do it? He's like, what the hell's wrong with you? He said, it, it's a lease. You know, because people give him stuff. Late. You know, it's a lease. You know, he didn't get it. I was just, oh, I can't do this. But I also did some work at his house. He had a house, a house in Naples. So we went down. I didn't stay at that house. But you know what he did that was so wonderful um, in the midst of this book? My parents live in Florida. They live in Sarasota. And he said, well, why don't you bring your parents down? So they drove with me. To, to their house at Naples, which was beautiful, had an infinity pool and the whole thing, and a huge fish tank. I remember the fish tank. And my parents got to meet Larry Bird, which for my dad, um, who's a huge sports fan, who um, were, actually was a salesperson for Robert Kraft, his top salesman for many years at the Rand Whitney Paper Company, but always really secretly wanted to be a sports writer, which I didn't know till after I got my job. He never told me that. So he's meeting Larry Bird, great thrill for him. My mother, of course, you know, they're both thrilled. And then Jill Leone, his wonderful agent, who's become a good friend of mine just through the years, took my parents to lunch. And it was just one of the, you know, I think probably for them, one of the most exciting days of their life until they got to go to Shaq's house and lie on his Superman bag and try on all his big Shaq shoes. Is this in Pasadena? Or no, no, this was in Orlando. Oh, this is Orlando. Shaq's, Shaq's house in Orlando, yeah. Oh, it's funny. Um, so. How It's funny, how would you see these legends in total everyday prosaic life everyone should is get such to see an them. interesting also examination of their character and and you should get to see them that way because you would like them more i mean at least most of the ones i've dealt with i liked them a lot more and i've already liked them a lot like shack in his own environment to me is super interesting he has a great cook named alex gets up in the morning and cooks him and they're all kicking you know you're going to eat this shack you're going to eat exactly this and and shack's like all right he's complaining but i was sitting with shack one day at his counter 
Um, it was right before he retired. I, w- I was working on a book with Shaq. I had come down, and he had decided to announce his retirement um, the next day. So I was there with him. They're preparing, and he invited all the media to his home. Do you remember that? He did it on his, his big indoor court, which still had the Miami Heat logo, by the way, in, in, in Orlando. That's where he was doing it. So we're sitting at the counter the day before. You know, they're running around, stuff getting ready. And they had this report on ESPN. He always has ESPN on. Maybe now he has TNT on, but he used to have ESPN on. And there was a report about some family and this kid. Um, he didn't make the grades for college and whatever. And um, he's. And then there was. A, it was just. A, it was a really sad story about this kid whose brother was struggling. And um, you know, the, this the brother wanted to go to school and then go pro so we could help pay for the, you know, the medical bills. And, and I, I don't remember the whole story. All I remember was Shaq said, "Hey, let's let, find out how we can get that guy." And on the spot, within 15 minutes, had an assistant calling and taking care of that. That's amazing, and that's he. He. You always want to believe if you have stupid money, that's the kind of thing you do. You'll, he does you'll, it. You'll all see the, the story time. on twenty twenty or whatever it is. Paid for George Mikan's funeral. Right. He he was listening to George that George Mikan had died, and they didn't think they had enough money for the funeral. And Shaq calls up and pays for the funeral. So now listen, there's another side of Shaq for sure. I'm not making him out to be a saint. He is not, but there was a very human. Uh, kind side to him that I saw because I spent so much time with him, and this and and he wasn't doing it for my benefit. I mean, he had done it before that, and he's done it since then. No, no, it's, it's, my it's, favorite Shaq story is when he brought in snow for a boys and girls club in L.A. He went there and as Shaka Claus and and um, said, "What do you want for Christmas? I know Santa. This he went as himself. What do you want for Santa? You know, I know Santa. I can get you what you want. I want a bike. I want this. I want that." And this one kid said, "You can't help me. Why not? Why not? I can help you." No, I live here, and we're never going to live anywhere else. We don't have any money. My mom already said so. All I want is snow, so you can't help me, and neither can Santa. He came back as Shaka Claus with three dump tunks full of snow from Mammoth Mountain and dumped it into the playground and had a snowball fight with that kid. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, um, that's the Shaq I like. But uh, they do become demystified because you realize you get in their cars, and there's just a bunch of crap in the cup holders. Like yeah, our and they don't feel and, well, and they're cranky, right. and they're, you know, they, they, they have yard work, and, you know, so. Uh I'm always curious when you talk about the Celtics. At present, who is what is the best run organization in, in the NBA? Well, I still have to say the Spurs, right? Because top to bottom, they have and and you know Peter Holt never got enough credit. The owner and the beauty of an owner is when they're fabulous and you never hear of them. Like Mickey Harrison, I would say the same thing about him in Miami, and and so Peter Holt to me never got enough credit for the stability and for staying with the course. And then just, again, the symmetry that we just were talking about earlier with RC, with Pop, with their assistants. Um, you know, they, when they hire Becky Hammond, they're not doing it like Sacramento did to make a splash. They're doing it because they think she's a good basketball mind, you know? And they're tough on people, but they have state-of-the-art facilities. I really like, I hope Prokloff will leave Sean Marks yes. and Kenny Atkinson alone because I really like what they're doing. And, and, you know, there's a Spurs influence there, of course, from Sean's time with San Antonio. They have state of the art everything. Prokhorov has, has has you know spared no expense in spending the money. I just hope he gives those two guys the time that they deserve to implement what they're trying to implement. You know, continuity is such an interesting thing because it seems so obvious in retrospect when you talk about a team like San Antonio mm-hmm. or something's going well, you know, like Brooklyn. On the other hand, we always say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and, and producing mm-hmm. a different result. So, is and I'm a big believer in continuity. At the same time. It, 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 does the continuity produce the competence, or does the competence produce the, the continuity? That's a, that's a good Because if you have somebody, if you have a bunch of knuckleheads, you don't, oh, give them time. No, no, like, it, it actually no, rip I, off I, the Band-Aid. And, and, and you know what I would say about that? Let's look at the Houston Rockets for a minute. Right. Again, a wonderful owner, stayed in the background, 
incredible Leslie Alexander so felt a crazy man right yeah. up and down does some crazy stuff was you know very impassioned about the team and probably overdid it at times in that regard but in terms of continuity in terms of his patience and letting things go work uh, you know with Daryl Morey who was when he hired him a pretty interesting hire right did you know Daryl in Boston oh yeah Daryl's awesome I love Daryl he's the best yeah, he's great. Self-prescribed nerd, but a very entertaining one as far as I'm we'll have a, I I love him because he'll have a podcast in a deli, and that's, no, that's sure. my, yeah. uh, that was my aspiration. And, and talk about an everyman. He's an everyman, for sure. And, and I lo- you know, that Sloan Analytics conference, he's always like, I don't know. And I'm like, this is a brilliant thing. They've got Obama coming this year. They have you know? Obama. I, by yeah. the way, I am so excited for this year, Sloan. So am I. I've, all I want to do is just shake his hand. Yeah, I just want him to, like... I'm, there are many people that make me fluttery, but... But Barack well, Obama, you know, President Barack The Obama, Obama thing's funny Obama. because, like, on one hand, I'm like, oh, I'm never going to leave the green room with the hopes that maybe he'll come there and just right. kind of want to schmoo. And I realized, oh, maybe he won't be in the green room. He's Barack Obama. No, he doesn't yeah, hang out in the green won't. room. But then I was like, I think I get the sense that Barack Obama's the kind of guy that if he saw a room with Masai Ujiri and R.C. Buford hanging out, that's kind of where he'd want to be. Like, yes, just kind of but I just BSing don't know. And- I mean, I'm trying not to get my hopes up. I, I, I texted Je- Jess Gelman, who was the co-founder with yeah. Daryl, and she doesn't. She's really. I mean, Daryl's great, but Jessica Jess is the nuts and bolts. She just kills it. Show. And I texted her, and I'm like, "Congratulations! This is, what a great get! This is amazing!" <sighs> and you know, it was all I could do to not say. Now remember, I have done like your panels now for four years. <laughs> you know, I mean, just well, that was my thing. Is like, I, you know, because they've told me I'm being a panelist. I don't, I don't know what for, and I, I'm, you know, how about the Obama panel? Which I suspect there is no Obama panel. He's just making remarks yeah, and he's going to give a speech. I, you know, I'll do, I always do whatever they ask me. I'm usually a moderator. I'm not really even a panelist, you know, because I, I you, you. Oh no, I'm, I'm, I'm a, that's what I mean. I'm a moderator. Yeah, whatever so, you do, I moderate. I right, and I, I have I, no um, expertise. I just know a little bit about like dumb things. Yes. Well, you know, I had to do the Moneyball one with Michael Lewis. I know. And Bill I was James, at that one, and I, and I was like, man, I got to read this book again. I hadn't read it in ten years. I had to read it all over again, take notes like I was in college or something. Yeah, when I did, when I had the Bill James, I had Bill James, Nate Silver, Daryl Morey, and I think George Carl. That's and quite that a- was the one that, like, I was, I was really nervous for that one. A because like Bill James is kind of the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I didn't grow up on. You know, I didn't grow up in Los Angeles with Jim Murray or anything. Sure. Like, I grew up buying the abstracts from, like, the okay. little... Like, they had to order them special. You and, did. And so that was sort of the sports... Kansas, thing. right? A little house in Kansas. Yeah, and, and the pork yeah. and beans factor, the whole deal. And right. also, I just... Like, he's kind of the reason I... Not only kind of wanted to be a sports writer, but kind of wanted to think about sports mm-hmm. and be a fan. So I was... I mean, I, that was the... You're nice. But so easy, I you know, kind you. of shy and quiet. Right. And it was awkward for me. Like, it was the one guy... Because, like, um, you know, Nate... You know, Nate's of my age, and you know mm-hmm. George Carl's George Carl, yeah, and he's George the most approachable person so ever. Fantastic. And Daryl's just nerdy Daryl, whatever. Yeah. But it was it was Bill James. It was just kind of terrifying to me, even though you know he's the most reticent and sort of. So you know, for me, it was Michael Lewis because I'm a writer, and he's a prolific, successful, amazing writer. And I thought, how am I going to do a panel with with Michael Lewis on Michael Lewis's book? I mean, I was really, that's what I was most concerned about. So it, afterwards, when he said to me, oh, that was fun, I thought, okay, good. We didn't misrepresent him or his book. And then I was like saying, well, remember you wrote this? And he's like, no. I mean, because he's written how many books? So, a ton. Yeah, he's interesting. This was great. Oh, let's do what it again. What fun. Why just hang out in the green room with, with Jackie and just... With a mic on a chair. With a mic on and a Andrew chair. Andrew Hahn taking notes. What Andrew Hahn MacGyvered this thing. Because it's like Kevin's shirt got n- oh. noisy and Kevin kicked the thing and Kevin got, take all that got out. overly exuberant. It's basically all the places where I'm completely uh, off my chain. But see, I like that, Kevin, just like I like the Blake. Well, I, uh, I like yes. this, Kevin. It's uh, fun. I, I hopefully, we'll, I don't know if I'll see you at a game while you're here, but we... I'm uh, leaving, baby. Yeah, you're I'm out I'm leaving of here. on a jet plane. Go I'll go be go. back in March. All right. I'll see you. I'll see you slow. Yes, can't wait. You, me, and Obama, let's do it. That is a three-person dinner I would enjoy. 